from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and hope you're having a great week and that you started off right with your special Monday. That's right, Monday. I hope you had a good Monday and that you spent Monday with some respect for that Monday. I'm going to keep saying Monday until you enjoy it, but... I hope that you had a good Monday, and I hope that you know you you started off the week the way that you should, which is with love, respect, appreciation, just having a good time. That's what it comes down to. You gotta have a good time. Give your best to every single day that you got, because that's the day that you have right now. You know, people say, "Oh, you know, Friday's great, and this is that, and Saturday, and yada yada." And yeah, that's fun. You know, weekends and. We're commissioned to believe that weekends are the best part of the week, but the best part of my week is whatever day I'm awake. That's the best part of my week. I'm up today, so today's the best part of my week because this is the only part of my week that I have right now. I don't know what I'm going to have from here, but I know that I have Tuesday, so I'm going to make the most of Tuesday and have some fun with Tuesday, and God bless Tuesday because Tuesday's being good to me right now. I get to wake up and... Tell my story, share it with you, have a good time, and jump into some things that are really important to me and and really special. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being a part of Wake Up Call every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time right here on MixLR.com backslash DT. The MixLR live stream is also available on WakeUpCallDT.com's homepage along with the downloadable app on Podbean, the iTunes podcast, the RSS feed, and so much more, and different ways to listen into the archive of the show after we go live. So make sure that you check that out. Over 950 broadcasts that we have on the app that you can get through the RSS feed, iTunes, and Podbean, and Player FM, and TuneIn Radio, and so on and so forth. So thank you so much, however you listen, and thank you, of course, for listening live so you're the first to hear it. Make sure you become a member so that you will get emailed every single time we go live, and you'll get to chat with me in the live chat room on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. You just click on follow, and that'll prompt you to take just a couple seconds to connect yourself with the show. Make sure that you do that. So, with that being said, speaking of connecting with the show, the morning menu, that flavor, that sound that we always have, lets you know what's coming up. Let's jump into that right now. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We like to start off the show by giving you our menu of topics. The morning menu, that is, live now with the morning menu is Dan Tortora. Today's morning menu of topics right here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Very proud to say we're going to start off the show with 
Zaire Franklin and Jonathan Thomas. We had a special engagement broadcast that we were proud to do from the Wildcat Sports Pub, which opened our opened their doors to us and opened their doors to the community. And it turned out to be an amazingly wonderful event because God is great. This central and upstate New York community is wonderful. People gave me a chance to tell you a story, and you obliged, and you enjoyed it. And I'm really happy that you did, and I'm so happy that Zaire Franklin and Jonathan Thomas allowed me to tell their stories and get them out there in the public right before the NFL draft, which is less than two weeks away. So I want to thank the Central and Upstate New York community. I want to thank the Wildcat Sports Pub. And we will be sharing with you that special engagement broadcast with Syracuse alum and NFL prospects Zaire Franklin and Jonathan Thomas coming up in just a moment. And then we will round out the show with the ingredients to success, proudly presented by Utica Pizza Company, where a topic or a team is chosen every single week, topic, team, player, public figure, whatever it may be, chosen for us to take a deeper look at that and what's going on and the ingredients to success that they need. So could be the ingredients to success for a team, could be for an organization, could be for a way of life, could be for a daily thing like how I was talking about Mondays yesterday, could be anything. So make sure you stay tuned for the ingredients to success. Just like that they just like they have the ingredients to build a successful business and ingredients for successful recipes to put on your table at Utica Pizza Company. So too do they have this bonding of the show where we talk about ingredients to be successful elsewhere, to be successful in all different walks of life, on and off the field, on and off the court. So couldn't think of a better place to be the ingredients to success than Utica Pizza Company because their ingredients have been successful for years. And why? Because it's not about packaging things up, freezing things, doing this, that, and the other. It's about having recipes that your grandmother fed your family with, then your mom took and fed her family with, and now you're taking and feeding your family with, and all the other families in central and upstate New York and the people that come to visit. So Utica Pizza Company goes above and beyond, and we are looking forward to every Tuesday, including today, going above and beyond with the ingredients to success coming up to round out today's show. So we'll take a quick step aside, and we will come back with Jonathan Thomas and Zaire Franklin with that special engagement broadcast from the Wildcat Sports Pub, telling their story and having a lot of laughs. A lot of laughs. A lot of fun. We had a great time with the guys. I can't wait for you to listen to it in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvelanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrysigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrysigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, Command yourself to feel comfortable in Drysig Lady Apparel. 
D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, drysiglady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name. So give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell him your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people help others. We kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily. You know, we bring in local produce. We prepare to order in the kitchen. We hand bread our chicken. We hand spin our milkshakes. It's, it's great food. It doesn't taste like fast food. I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. It's different. We, we try to treat people with intentional kindness here, which is very different and deeper than good customer service. And so you know, I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly, the impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. We're here uh, right over by the uh, pizza side of things with Zaire Franklin and Jonathan Thomas inside of the Wildcat Sports Pub. Zaire Franklin, a linebacker of the Syracuse Orange, now heading to the NFL Draft, and Jonathan Thomas, linebacker for the Orange, heading to the NFL Draft. So with both of these gentlemen here, can Syracuse at Central New York please give them a round of applause? Show them a little bit of love as they head to the draft in less than two weeks. So, with that being said, we'll start with Zaire. Zaire, you just got to go down and visit a city that is near and dear to my heart, and 
been covering the team for a decade with the Jaguars. How is Jacksonville? Uh, hello? Hello? Uh, Jacksonville was, uh, it was cool. It wasn't as warm as I kind of hoped it would be. It was a lot of rain, but uh, it was a great time. Got a chance to meet a lot of Syracuse guys, Coach Coughlin, Coach Marone, uh, Coach Hackett, and other guys like that. So it was a good experience. Now, you, you didn't work out. You just went and hung around the facility and whatnot, right? So how was your experience? That Besides the weather, how was the experience? Uh, it was great. Uh, just an opportunity to get around the big wigs and kind of talk to the guys who are making, you know, the ultimate decision. So get a chance to kind of let them know who I am and what I'm about and talk a little football. Tom Coughlin is a no-nonsense guy. I asked the biggest change last year when he came in. And the general manager, David Caldwell, said there's more khakis in the building. No sweatpants, no earrings when you're walking through and whatnot. The little things that he does and kind of comes across like a drill sergeant in his day-to-day -day meetings. Did you get that from him? Did you get a sense of an old-school mentality from him? Uh, I definitely caught like an old-school vibe throughout the building. However, uh, a lot of people told me that he kind of relaxed a little bit. Um, I don't know how much... Everyone knows about the Jaguars, but it's a lot of personalities on that team. You know, from Ramsey to Fowler to it's a, it's a lot of personalities. So I feel like um, you know he's kept his background. Of course, Marone, you know, he's not a real no nonsense guy as well. But I feel like they're a little bit more lenient now just because uh, all the guys they typically got to deal with. Yeah, they got they got some characters and. Jonathan, you had an opportunity to go back home and be around the Falcons. What was that experience like for you? Um, it was like a dream come true, um, especially growing up in the city. You can hear me when it's, it's not too loud. <laughs> uh, it was great going back home, working out for the team. Um, I grew up watching, um, especially um, when I was a little kid, going around facilities. That was a dream I wanted to accomplish, and um, it was something that it, it felt good. It's been a long time since they've been the Dirty Birds. Do you think that they could get back there with you as a part of their defense? Oh, man. Uh, they were in the NFC Championship um, a couple years ago. They were in the Super Bowl. I'm just one that they were good. Yeah, we have some. Now, Marquis Sproul, who's also a former linebacker of Syracuse, he had the opportunity to go back and be a part of the Falcons. What was that like to go back into not only a place that you grew up around and, and obviously care about, but to know that the linebacker core right before you, one of those guys have been there as well. With Marquis Sproul being there. Uh, I, don't, I never met him. Uh, never, you never interacted uh, with him? Uh, we didn't we meet the players. Right before you, yeah. So when you had it, but that connection, the fact that they've looked to Syracuse before in the past, just what that means to you is, you know, what would it be like if you got to play back at home? Um, that's a dream come true, to be honest, uh, especially being around my family. So, you know, like being at home, like who doesn't want to play for your hometown team, though? Now, you guys both had an opportunity to work out for the Buffalo Bills this past Friday. I start with you, Jonathan. What was the experience like? Um, it was cool. Uh, um, it really did like a little 30-minute workout. Um, it was an experience being around facilities. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was cool. The 30 minutes that you had, what are you doing in that workout? What did they have you do? Uh, just linebacker drills, um, bag drills, uh, jobs, coverage. 
What'd you take away? I mean, it's it's quick. Thirty minutes goes by fast, but to be able to go out to Buffalo and do that, what did you take away from that? Was there anything that you got to take away? Anybody you got to talk to afterwards? I mean, no, no, I didn't. But it was it was I was blessed to have an opportunity to showcase my ability, though. So it was good um, having another team give me a chance to showcase what I can do. Zaire, what about you? What could you say about Buffalo? Uh, I mean, basically, uh, like JT said, you know, it was a quick workout, but I mean, it just felt good to kind of be, you know, any opportunity is a blessing, so it was cool to just have another opportunity to, so, you know, show what we have in front of scouts. Uh, then, you know, it was just like maybe last time me and me, Paris, and JT were, I guess, quote-unquote lined up together, I guess, and so... I mean, just being with the guys is always cool, too. Yeah, we're, we're missing Parrish here today, but what can you say about the, the core? Because you guys were together for Schaefer, and then when Schaefer shifted to Dino Babers, there was some movement that was made, especially on the offensive end, but he stayed true to that linebacker core. Uh, I mean, I just think it's a testament to the guys, you know, uh, me, JT, and PJ, uh, just fighting through adversity, sticking together as brothers, as family, and... You know, just staying together. Without Paris being here, I'm going to ask you some questions about Paris. I always know him to be a, a guy that smiles, very nice guy, easy talking type guy. What would you say about his personality? I've always taken positives away from him and about kind of his nature, and he seems calm off the field, different on the field. Is that an act? Is that accurate, or what would you say? Yeah, I mean, Paris is the type of guy. He just kind of laid back. You don't really get into too much. You kind of like to let things happen. Um, but, you know, on the field, obviously, his personality changes. And, you know, between the white lines, we all are a little different. Jonathan, what can you say about Paris? What are some words to describe your other linebacker from the core? Uh, that's our brother. Um, real cool guy, smooth, um, on and off the field. Um, doesn't really speak much. Um, but when you get, when you get known, he opens up, though. Real cool guy. See, so Paris doesn't say much. Jonathan, I, I don't know you to say too much. My, my man to my right has been forced to speak because we talked about how he was representing Syracuse in the ACC media days for three years in a row, so you had no choice but to speak, Zaire. But what could you say about that? I mean, was this linebacker core kind of speak a little, act a lot? Is that adequate to say, Jonathan, to, to speak a few words off the field but on the field to let the action kind of show itself? Um, yeah, I guess, I guess you can say that. That'd be fair to say. <laughs> and you give me a short answer with that. <laughs> so, Jonathan, uh, to go back on on your time with, with Dino, you and I spoke about it a little bit on the show during the week. What can you say about Dino Babers? What was different? What was similar? What did, what did you take away from him? Because um, Babers is all about the family. Um, he's a good coach. Um, he made good congestion. Uh, he, made, he made Syracuse fun to watch, especially in offense. So. Yeah, that was, that was a good little transition. What was it like defensively to go up against the offense? Because we always hear speed, quick, run a bunch of plays. I mean, it, there's all the talk about how fast the team's going to be. But what was it like to line up against him in practice? Um, it was cool, though, um, especially when we got his condition. Uh, it was good conditioning, so I was all right. Good on the conditioning side of it. Yeah. What can you say about Dungey being on the other side of him? With Dungey? Yeah. Oh, that's, that, that's the guy right there. You got to see the NFL draft, don't you? Yeah. NFL draft, yeah. you think so? Yeah. Now, does he run around much, as much in practice 
As he does in the game? Mm -hmm. He does? Mm -hmm. Are you allowed to hit him or not? No, just tag off. Not, yeah, not at all? Just, just two hand yeah. touches, that's it. Yeah. Sometimes they let people go live, but they never let them go live? No. Okay, that's fair enough. With him jumping over catapulting people, that makes sense. Zaire, what's it like to go up against Dungy in your opinion? Uh, Dungy is just an a athlete. Um, he's very gifted, you know, and um, he's, when he's starting to get comfortable with the offense, starting to learn things, you know, he definitely is a dynamic playmaker, so to be able to compete against him every day was really dope. Seeing him play the way that he plays, you're on the sideline watching, and you're all about being playmakers and, and letting yourselves be known on the field. When you see him run at somebody, standing straight up and tries to jump over them, what's your reaction on the when you're standing on the sideline? I mean, Dungey's a wild boy. I mean, he's going to do what he want to do. So, I mean, I just hope for the best. That's all I can do. <laughs> Dino said that when he came in, he said Dungey will not run like he does. We're going to pull him back. We're going to tailor him back a little bit. It's not going to be the same. Obviously, Dungey didn't listen to that. And then Dino kind of changed his tune in 2017. It was like, well, he can use his legs when he wants to. Did you get a feel for that? That as much as he was like, don't do that, that's just, I mean, you, you, can't, you can't change the dog and the dog, so to speak. I mean, I just feel like it's a dynamic part of uh, Dungey's game uh, to be able to use his legs as much as his arm. And for some players, you know, it's like taking away a tool from their tool belt. And I think Coach Babers understood that. And he was one of those things where he was like, I'd rather accentuate it than take it away. Speaking here with Zaire Franklin and Jonathan Thomas, myself, Dan Tutorial with Wake Up Call with Dan Tutorial live on location at the Wildcat Sports Club. Zaire, quarterback-wise, favorite one you got to hit? I know one of them's got his name floating all over this draft this year, but who's one of those quarterbacks in your time at Syracuse that you loved the opportunity to get after? Uh, you know, I'm an ultimate competitor, so I love guys like to compete. Um, a lot of respect for uh, Lamar Jackson and, you know, his game, as well as Deshaun Watson. Those are probably two of the best quarterbacks I've faced. Now, Lamar Jackson, he's, he's all over first round and early part of the second round and whatnot. From playing against him, what can you say about your respect for his game? Uh, I think he might be the most dynamic player I ever played against. I think, uh, I think he's going to have an opportunity to play for a very, very long time in the NFL, God willing, if he stays healthy. And obviously, if he's lucky enough to get to the right situation, because... 90% of the time it's all about the situation because you know, a lot of things get taken out of your control. So, uh, you know, I got a lot of love for him. I had a chance to meet with him at media day. So he's a good dude. He's a good guy. And I think he's going to do well. Well, we look at, you know, like you said, Lamar Jackson respecting his game and what he's capable of doing. I mean, this, this man was accounting for 300 out of 500 yards of the offense, the things that he was able to do and, and put together. Just... Just what you could say about what that could be because the NFL is all about finding the right quarterbacks and, and finding somebody that's going to bring your team forward, but the RG3s and some of those guys out there that wanted to run and make that happen. I mean, Donovan did it for a while, but there's almost uh, pulling away from that 
where Lamar Jackson, it's a huge part of his game. It makes him who he is. So do you think that there's life for that in the NFL still, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I feel like most of the best, all, all, every quarterback has to be mobile. I don't even really say there's one quarterback that comes to mind that doesn't move, and that's Tom Brady. And I mean, that's because his, mentally, he's so much further ahead than everybody else. But all the great quarterbacks, Russell Wilson, Cam, Cam Newton, uh, even Carson Wentz, who really should have been the MVP in my opinion, he's an extreme athlete, and he uses his legs often to, you know, scramble to extend plays and out, or, you know, to get yards. So, I mean, there's always a place for it. And it's a copycat league. All it takes is for one person to be a dynamic athlete, and everybody's going to be looking for him. Jonathan, same type of feel for this. Favorite guy that you got to go out and hit in your time at Syracuse, who you would say that potentially you, re you respected the most at quarterback? Uh, definitely same as Zaire, uh, Lamar Jackson, and Sean Watson. Uh, like you said, both of them are ultimate competitors. And as an athlete, you want to play the best of the best. So that was, that was a great opportunity. We spoke about Lamar Jackson. So I want to ask you about Deshaun. What can you say about his game? Like you said, going up against the best. If you want to be the best, you got to go up against the best and, you know, obviously take care of business. So what was it about Deshaun Watson's game that you respect? Um, he has heart. And um, I know really about his story because uh, he's from Georgia. So knowing about his little background and what he's been through, he has heart and for where he is at. And uh, that's a blessing. So that's, a good, that's, a good, that's good for him. He got drafted by the Houston Texans, started off the season looking like he was going to shatter some of the records out there. Just what you can say about him as, as an NFL quarterback. I mean, obviously you have respect for him and his story, and what he did as a rookie looked like it was going to be pretty darn good if he had stayed healthy. I mean, when you get injured like that, you always come back stronger. So he's going to be okay. He's going to play for a long time in the NFL. And then Lamar Jackson, just what you could say about him. I mean, we heard from Zaire that he's obviously versatile. He brings a lot of talent to whatever team that he's going to play on and could find himself playing for a long time in the NFL. What do you think about Lamar? Um, tremendous athlete, very shifty. Um, definitely going to be a problem uh, for defensive players in the NFL in open space, so he's going to be exciting to watch. In the last two years, you guys – as members of this defense and members of this team have gotten to have two of the best victories that Syracuse has had in over a decade, if not longer. Virginia Tech, top 20 team, and then taking down the reigning national champion inside of the Carrier Dome. The last time that a one or a two ranked team had won or had lost inside of the Dome against Syracuse was back in the early 80s when it was Nebraska. So bring me into those two games. I'll start with you, Jonathan. Virginia Tech and Clemson. Two of the best teams inside the ACC the last two years, and obviously a national champion. Um, those, those guys are very exciting. Um, I felt as a team, we came together uh, before the games. Getting offered cupcakes here. We'll accept them, yes. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, Thank you. so going, going off of that, so you get free cupcakes. That's good stuff. Free cupcake before the draft. Is this is this in the draft meal? Can you guys have this? It's all right. Okay, it's all right. We'll make it through. So, so getting back to to Clemson, Virginia Tech, just what those wins meant to you? Um, it was fun though, especially having fans out there. Um, it was really, it, was, it was a fun game, especially winning. Um, 
as an as athlete and a competitor, you want to play in games like that and you want to win. And so it was exciting, though. So you and I have spoken about this before. Dino Babers in the locker room, what he is before a game, during a game, after a game. People see a little snippet of it and they say it's inspirational. How inspiring has he been to you over the last couple of years? Um, before the games, he doesn't really say much. Um, he's very quiet, let us, let us do what we want. Um, after the games, when we get some when we get wins, um, that's what y'all see, how exciting it is to, uh, to win as a team, uh, to battle and win. Can he dance? We've seen some coaches in the ACC break it down a little bit. Can Dino do that or no? No, nah, I've never seen him dance before. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Let me go back over to Zaire. Zaire, to get the wins over Clemson and Virginia Tech in the last couple of years, even though the records don't show what you wanted to or getting to a bowl berth, you send this team of 2018 and forward from here into the future with two of their biggest wins, like I said, the past decade, if not longer, and one of the greatest wins in Carrier Dome history. Just what those two meant to you? Um, they're obviously two great uh, moments in you know, my career. Uh, I mean, it was always always great to get a win at home, especially when against a great opponent. So, I mean, it means a lot. I mean, I, it means something to me, but you know, I definitely would trade those wins in for a more successful season. And what was the disconnect, in your opinion, of of what went on to get those big time wins but to still end at four and eight to have those big moments and have five games left you only have to win a couple and they don't come through what was it in your opinion i mean it's hard to do that when you're playing a fourth string quarterback i don't really know i only know one team that ever really was in my mind in my memory i only remember one team that's the national champions ohio state you can play with a third or fourth string QB and still be successful. So Tom Brady goes down. The Patriots aren't probably going to be good. I mean, everybody everybody just can't do that. If your one goes down, maybe. If your two goes down, you're probably not going to do well either. So, I mean, we always got to do with the injury bug at the wrong time and not to make excuses. I mean, it just what happened. I mean, it is what it is. Hopefully, we better move on. When you look at the Dino Babers factor for you, just what he's been as a coach. He's obviously not the coach that had recruited yourself, Jonathan Paris, in, but he kept you guys where you were. You worked your behinds off to stay in those positions. So what can you say about having Dino the last couple seasons as the leader of the team? Uh, I mean, it was, it's been good, you know, just be able to learn from him and, I, uh, you know, under his tutelage and stuff like that. So he's definitely, you know, changing the culture of Syracuse and, you know, hopefully they get it, they get it right together this year. So look at your time at Syracuse. What are some of the biggest things that you feel like you learned from being with this team and, and going through the ups and downs and the ebb and flow? What are you taking with you toward that hopeful NFL opportunity? Um, just staying true to myself and the things that I was raised on and never really losing sight of what my main focus and my main goal. Excuse me, what my main goals are. And when we look at those main goals, the defense is, has changed in your time at Syracuse. We spoke about it a little bit on the show going into this. What did the shift in the defense teach you, and can you use it as an advantage toward a team in the NFL that's interested in you? Uh, I mean, whenever you get a chance to learn multiple different defensive philosophies, it will never hurt you. And we get an opportunity to excel in both. 
I mean, it was always a good thing. So, I mean, I looked at it as a blessing to be able to learn more about, you know, the game of football and expand my football knowledge. Jonathan, going over to you, the shift in the defense, what did it teach you and, and what did you take away from it that you feel you could bring to an NFL team if they call you up and say, we're interested in bringing you in? What can you say to them about being able to play Schaefer's defense and then Dino's defense as well? Um, well, with Schaefer's defense, we played it uh, to line of scrimmage, so we're playing uh, a lot of blitz, so we have experience blitzing. And because David, we played in a lot of open space and coverage, so we have a lot of experience and coverage as well, so very dynamic players as well. Do you, did you miss, I mean, I gotta, I have to imagine watching how you guys play and how you guys attack first couple of years that you missed that amount of blitzing. Is, is that fair to say that that, that was kind of maybe a, a tough learning curve to shift out of that? I mean, it was a tough, uh, a tough uh, learning curve, but um, blitzing, that's, that's, that's one of the fun things about the game, though, especially playing defense. That's, that's a rush getting the opportunity to sack a quarterback, making a big play, changing, uh, having the opportunity to change the game. And when you look at kind of coming out of this in your time at Syracuse, I was talking about, you know, you take what you learn, you move forward, and you, you know, you wish that maybe the outcomes were different in the season, but there's something to take away from it. Coming into Syracuse, going out of Syracuse, what are the biggest takeaways for you? Um, I mean, honestly, uh, I feel like we didn't accomplish what we wanted, but it was real along with my brothers uh, with PJ and uh, Zaire, so um, having that brotherhood, that's something I can look for for the rest of my life. And when you look at the longevity that you had out there together with Zaire and, and PJ, just what that meant to you, because it's one thing to come to a team and want to start, want to play, get the reps, but you guys, once you once you took the torch, so to speak, you didn't give it back. Yeah, I mean, we, we were clear here to play together, and that's what we wanted to do. So we pushed each other to accomplish that goal. Um, so that was, that was a very cool thing. Um, to, have that, to have that opportunity. Yeah. Such a man of few words. <laughs> all right, all right, Zaire, what can you say about having Jonathan and, and PJ on the other side of you, and not just having them for a little bit, but really since you came in, you guys worked your way up, and once you got it, you stayed there. Uh, I mean, so like I said earlier, you know, it's a testament to how hard we work and the time we put in the things that, we, you know, we love. And I mean, I just, it mean a lot. Like, like JT said, I mean, we, we grew up together and we, we became, help, you know what I'm saying, on our long, our journey of becoming a man together. And, you know, we learned a lot, not only from each other, but with each other. So, I mean, it meant a lot to go through this experience with my brothers. And before we finish up the first segment here of Wake Up Call with Anzatora live on location at the Wildcat Sports Club with linebackers Jonathan Thomas and Zaire Franklin, a final one for you, Zaire, to look at being a Mike linebacker, being the quarterback of the defense, what you took away from that? Because there's so much respect given to the actual quarterback of the team and the offensive side of the ball and what they mean in leadership. But on your side of the ball, you're the guy in the middle of everything. You're making sure that everybody's where they need to be. You're calling things out. You're a leader. What did it mean to be that leader of Syracuse? And what can you say about having that on your shoulders, being the guy that's going to quarterback that defense? 
Um, it's a position that I love to be in. It's a position I feel like I thrive in. And that I'm comfortable being uncomfortable uh, in that situation where trying to make sure everybody else is right and focusing on myself last. I mean, it's something I've done my whole career, even when I was in high school. So, um, you know, I was blessed to be able to have an opportunity to do it for four years here at Syracuse. And hopefully, God willing, I'll be able to do it for some years to come. Coming from Zaire Franco, Jonathan, to have Zaire as the leader of the defense and have him right next to you. What, do you. what can you say about his leadership and how he was as a quarterback of the defense? <laughs> yeah, man, stand, he's a stand-up guy, a uh, good character. Um, holds up people to count, uh, accountable. Um, and you want to follow a guy like that because you know he's going to give it uh, 100% whatever he does on and off the field. So having a guy as, as a best friend and uh, as a Mike linebacker, this is someone you listen to. That coming from Jonathan Thomas and Zaire Franklin as well. Myself, Dan Satoro. We're going to take a step aside. When I come back, we're going to do a segment totally off the football scope of things. We're going to play a game called Rapid Fire. Get to know these gentlemen a little bit better and get to know them, kind of keeping them on their toes. And maybe we'll ask Zaire about the one thing that would make Jonathan Thomas speak for more than three minutes. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formalware. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. (laughs) 
Back here with Wake Up Call with Dan Shortora here from the Wildcat Sports Club live on location with Zaire Franklin and Jonathan Thomas, two former Syracuse linebackers that are heading into the NFL draft and a hopeful opportunity of playing inside of the National Football League. 32 teams and both of these gentlemen have gotten opportunities to work out and speak with a bunch apiece. It is now time to get into rapid fire, which gets them off the field and gets to know them a little bit better. Allows me to throw some questions their way. And then in fairness to Jonathan and Zaire, they both have known me for the last at least four years of being at Syracuse. You guys get asked questions all the time. And you have to sit in front of the mic and answer those questions. You never get to flip the script. I'm going to let you guys flip the script today. And after I'm done asking you questions, I'm going to let you ask me a couple. And I have to answer the questions. So, Zaire, I'm going to throw this one your way. I'm going to start off with you. If I could only play one song for you coming out of the Carrier Dome locker room running out onto the field for all four years, what would that song have been? Um, <laughs> probably uh, Meek Mill, uh, Dreams and Nightmares, probably. All right. Meek Mill, Drake. Do you like them both? Or because you're a Meek Mill fan, is there no Drake? I mean, I'm a Meek fan. I've been missing the Meek since he was 16, but okay. I, uh, I I still like Drake. I still listen to Drake. I don't like who, the things that Drake do as a person, but I like his music, though. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Hold on. So I'm going to give you a couple here before we switch to Jonathan. If anybody would play you in a movie, who would it be? Somebody's <laughs> like <G60. laughs> uh, If somebody was to play me, it would probably be uh, Michael B. Jordan. Michael, all right. I like that. Why Michael B. Jordan? I like the choice, but you got to tell me why. Because when he played Creed, he did a good job of being a Philly boy, so I could rock with him. Yeah, he did that, and he also did a good job with Killmonger, too. Did you see Black Panther? Of course I did. <laughs> He's a good movie. So, okay, so you would have Michael B. Jordan play you. What else we got here? If you can marry anybody in the entertainment world right now, who would it be? Yeah. My girlfriend of three years, that's who I would Okay. All right. So you, you ain't gonna catch me. Good answer. Me. The political answer. Yeah, it was, it was all good. All right, Jonathan. I'm gonna flip over to you now. If I name, if there was a movie about your life, what would you name it? Uh, Diamond in the Rough. Diamond in the Rough. Okay, I like that. Who would play you? Idris Elba. Idris Elba? Yeah. All right, I like that. Zaire doesn't like that. <laughs> why why Idris Elba? He's smooth, though. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. He got, he got a nice high accent to him. Yeah, he's smooth. Yeah. All right, all right, Idris Elba. Okay, so let me give you one more here. If you weren't playing, well, I think I know this answer from you and I talking, but if you weren't to play professional football, what would you do? I'd try to play soccer. Would it be MLS? Would you go out there? So, yeah, I don't know. I haven't played in a while, but I, I tried something like that. All right, fair enough. We're going to stay with Jonathan here for another three. I want to go to your song. If I could only play one song for you your entire time in Syracuse, what would it be? Kevin Gates, wish I had. Wish I had it. All right, yeah. fair enough. Tupac and Biggie, are they actually dead in your opinion, or are they alive? Or is one of them alive? I don't know. I don't know. Because <laughs> I, I, have, I, I have my own answer to that. But all right, Zay, I want to ask you. 
Tupac and Biggie. Is one of them still alive, or both? Uh, Biggie is definitely dead. Um, Tupac was killed by the government, so yes, he is also dead as well. All right, fair enough. Okay, no conspiracy. Here. Have you have you watched the stuff, the documentaries? Yeah, and I've also read a lot of books, and I understand that the government has killed uh, prominent leaders in the black community multiple times. So I understand they probably took out Tupac as well. And so no, two, no Tupac in Mexico. Yeah. See, I still hold out hope that he's alive. Biggie's gone. We know Biggie's gone. Not big. R.I.P. to Big. Yeah, yeah. Biggie's gone. He's gone. All right. If if you became a rapper today, what would your name be? Ziggy Smalls. That was easy. That was way too easy. Is that your? Is that the favorite rapper of all time for you? Is it B.I.G.? No, it's Jay Z. Jay Z. Yeah. Okay. Jay Z and Meek Mill. Who wins? Jay, Jay Z. Okay. Jay Z's. Is it even close? No. No. Jay Z's a legend. <laughs> it's like comparing. I don't know Michael Jordan to Jason Tatum. Like, yeah, Jason Tatum, nice, but as Michael Jordan. Can anybody take on Jay Z in your opinion? Nah, he's the greatest ever. The greatest ever. The greatest of all time. Nobody will touch him. He had 13 number one albums in a row. All right. Nobody does that. All right, Jonathan. Do you concur or no? Nah, I like Gucci man. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Gucci man would take down Jay Z in a rap battle? Nah, I mean I'm from Georgia, so I like that down south music. So that's what I grew up listening to. So All I, right. I can respect his answer though. All right, fair enough. So we go down to Georgia. Give me the top three things you like to do in Georgia. Uh, hang out with family. Uh, I like swimming. Uh, going to the lake, I guess. Um, playing basketball outside and soccer. Best yeah. place to eat down in Georgia? Zaxby's. All right, so you're not been to Zaxby's. There's a plenty of them up and down Florida. So that's your favorite? And I, like, I like Waffle House, too. I like Waffle House, too. All right, fair enough. All right, we go to Philly. We know that there's those two cheesesteak places across the street from one another. Zaire, you need to pick one. Uh, I would, if you were to go to those two, I would say go to Pat's, but to be honest with you, neither of those two are probably top ten in the city. Uh, well, Pat's in my opinion is, but you should go to Del Sandro's or Max's, but most everybody should go to Del Sandro's. Yeah. Del Sandro's? Alright, fair enough. Now, where is, where is, is that whereabouts? If I'm going to Philly, am I going in the city? Where am I going? Um, I can't. I don't remember exactly where Del Sandro is. I haven't been there in a while, uh, but I know Pat's Pat and Gino is right across the street from each other. Yeah, this is South Philly. So, what's the top three things you do in Philadelphia? Don't tell me swim. I know it's not swimming. <laughs> nah, I mean I ain't got no pool, so I can't swim. But well, I can swim. I, I know how to swim. I just I don't swim often. Uh, but I mean. Probably what I, I mean, I can tell you what I do. All I do is work out, hang out with my friends, and uh, I mean, there's a ton of stuff in Philly. Philly's a very historical city, so it's so much American history in, in Philly. So if you into that kind of thing, you know, it's a whole bunch of stuff you can go see. Uh, downtown is pretty dope, a lot of sights to see, and then um, I mean, it's a lot of great food in Philadelphia as well. So. Next to the cheesesteak, what's your favorite in Philly? My favorite Philly food is water ice. I don't know what that is. It's water like, ice? Water ice is like, I mean, I guess. 
think frozen so, ice? Italian ice? Something like that, but it's not the same thing. I okay. mean, water ice, I guess, in my best interpretation for that, y'all will probably understand what it is. It's probably something like a, like you said, Italian or Italian ice, I guess is our color, or like a snow cone or something like that. But okay. yeah, Arita's water ice is like, it'll change your life. Or Philly flavors. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's different. All right, fair enough. Top three, top three movies, in your opinion, of all time. Of all time? Well, I can't say of all time. I, I don't, I'm not a huge top, movie buff, top but top three. Top three. Like, yeah. uh, Do the Right Thing is my favorite movie. Uh, a Bronx Tale. And... Uh, I don't know, probably... Uh, I don't know, I'm a TV show guy, but... I don't know, I'm right, saying me, Black Panther. Alright, give me... Well, I like that one. <laughs> I put that one up there. Yeah. That movie is top three domestic gross ever. Yeah, I know. So, and well-deserving of it, because we finally have a villain that's not really a villain, and you can understand the story of him. And Michael B. Jordan, for all the things that he's he's tried to come into with Fantastic Four and all that, this is the best one. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. They shouldn't, they shouldn't have done what they've done. I don't want to ruin the movie for anybody, but... I would like to see more Killmonger, let me just say that. Oh, uh, yeah, I feel you on that. So, you said you're a TV guy. Before we switch back to Jonathan here, top three TV shows of all time. Oh, number one best show of all time is Game of Thrones. There's no show better than Game of Thrones. Number two is The Wire. Uh, and then I'll probably say three is Sons of Anarchy. All right. See, Sons of Anarchy, I got into before anybody got it, like in the beginning, beginning. Yeah. But Game of Thrones, that's, I don't know, I'm like, I'm there, but I'm not. Game I like Walking Dead. No, Game of Thrones is by far the best TV show that ever happened. That ever happened. All right. Jonathan, let's throw it back to you. Top three TV shows of all time. Uh, I like uh, Sons, of course, um, Smallville, and, um, yeah, Game of Thrones, yeah. Okay. Top three movies of all time. Uh, Paid in Full, uh, Boys in the Hood. <laughs> hey, Juice. <laughs> okay. I got it. Boys in the Hood. I mean, obviously, you know, many people have seen that movie. Where does that one fall for you? Is that number one, two, three? Where is it at? Uh, three. Three. Okay. Fair enough. If What's one TV show that you watch that you don't want to tell people that you watch? Uh, the following. The following? Yeah, it's a, it's a little graphic. Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's camera, right. yeah. See, I have one that's like funny, but all right. The following, I can I can appreciate. What about you, Zaire? What's what's a guilty pleasure TV show? Uh, recently, me and my girlfriend's been watching uh, Tiana and he, Tiana Taylor and the Jumpers reality TV show. That show's lit though. Like I ain't gonna lie, that show's Tiana. Tiana and Iman, so that's what it's called. Yeah. What about, okay, reality show. What reality show have you watched? I hate reality TV. It's like with a passion. <laughs> I wish they got rid of all of it. I hate Jersey Shore, Love and Hip Hop, all the Real Housewives. I hate all of that. I despise it, actually, to be more specific, but that's why Tiana and Iman is like me breaking character because I really hate reality TV. But I feel like both of them are actually interesting and both of them actually have talent. Like, now they just put anybody on TV with no talent, 
the Kardashians, all that's just a bunch of nonsense. So, but Tiana and Amon is lit though because they both have legitimate careers and they both like are interesting spots in their careers. She about to drop her first album. He transitioning from leaving LeBron. Is he gonna continue playing? You know what I'm saying so. It's, it's interesting. Here. It's a nice plot. But all the other stuff is nonsense. I hate all of it. So, so figure it out when the Cavs are going to get there and how they're going to get home from the club in Jersey Shore doesn't hold a candle to dropping an album and, and life after LeBron. Yeah, I don't care nothing about... <laughs> they don't have, that's no talent. Everybody could get drunk and act crazy and that's fight. True. That's true. That's not... We all, everybody in this room could do that. That's not, you don't deserve a TV show for that. That's true. I, always, I ask my wife all the time what the Kardashians do. I'm still trying to figure it out. I could say something, but I'm not gonna. No, nah, Chris Jenner is like that though. She, she she got it up here. She a mastermind. I she got a lot out. of respect for her, but the rest of them bother me. But she she gangster though. She figured it out. Yeah, she got yeah. She's smart. She she get she getting that money. All right, Jonathan. We know that Zaire will never date a Kardashian. Will you? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm a girlfriend as well. So no. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we know that athletes' careers die when they date Kardashians, so I think that should be enough for you. Yeah, it's over with. We saw what happened with Lamar Odom. What is it? Lamar Odom, Reggie Bush, Tristan Thompson isn't even playing for the Cavs right now. So I think it's fair to say that they kill careers. Yeah, it's, a dead, it's a dead end. What's your... <laughs> we heard what Zaire had to say about every reality show outside of one of them. Is there is there ever one that you watched? Can you admit to watching the Jersey Shore, Real Housewives of Atlanta, any of these? Yeah. What do you think about them having that show about with Atlanta? Because it's just it's not reality show like reality TV is not real. So when you see Real Housewives of Atlanta, does that bother you? I mean, I don't watch real, uh, that show. Um, I watch Love and Hip Hop. <laughs> so no Love and Hip Hop over here. So what do you like about Love and Hip? Can you get Zaire to watch it? Maybe once? No, nah, he has nah, a strong line. He's going, man. He can do what he wants. He's not going to do it. All right. So Love and Hip Hop, any other ones that you've seen? Survivor, uh, Big Brother, anything? Nah, the Challenge. The Challenge. Okay. Yeah. All right, fair enough. I'm going to ask you two final questions, and then I, got, then I turn the mic on myself. This will be interesting. So, Jonathan... If there was a mission statement for your life, what would it say? I'll put you on the spot. You get to put me on the spot in a minute. I'll throw you out there. You accomplish what you want. Um, you got to put your mind to it. Accomplish what you want, put your mind to it. All right, Zara, what's your mission statement? Never too high, never too low. That's kind of how I live my life. All right, never too high, never too low. Final one, Zaire, if you could change one thing about this world in this moment with no restrictions, what would you change? I mean, I guess uh, I would end world hunger, I guess, or something. I don't know. That's a, that's a heavy question. I mean, yeah, I guess hunger and technology and, and uh, stuff for everybody and not just like the one percenters. All right, that's fair enough. All right, Jonathan, what are you changing? Uh, quality for all. That's quality for all, yes, absolutely. That is a something that should have happened, I think, at the beginning of time. I think that was fair to say. Mm -hmm. Should never be a question on that. So, 
With that being said, I'm now opening the floor to these gentlemen. Jonathan Thomas, Zaire Franklin will now flip the script on the interviewer. And after interviewing these men for the last four or five years, they get to throw it at me. Jesus be with me. It is the Wildcat. We're here with Wake Up Call. And Jonathan, you got the first question. What do you got? Uh, if, you, if you play football, position would just play. <laughs> I play football. Don't laugh, Zaire. That's not fair, man. I'm five foot eight. My mom's four eleven. Okay, she did this to me. All right. But if I played football, I would want to play quarterback. However, I'd also like to play corner because I like interceptions. So corner or quarterback. And yes, if you guys were running at me, I would lay down on the ground. <laughs> All right, what else you got? What do you got, Zaire? Yeah, that's funny. That was a good one. You've been holding that one in, huh? Okay. That's not uh, fair. It's not fair that you laughed as much as you did. That's not uh, fair. Let me think, let me think, let me think. I play basketball. We all know I can play basketball, but football, whatever. I can play basketball. All right, that's fair. I can. Uh, True colors coming out today, Zaire. I don't know about you. Uh, if you could uh, visit anywhere in the world, no restrictions on money or time or commitments, where would you go? Italy and Spain to go see my family. Uh, what part of Italy and Spain? Uh, Italy, I would go back to Calabria, that's where my mom's family's from. My dad's family is from Naples. We also have family in Rome now that allegedly has like a tour bus company. So our name is out there and there's a bunch of restaurants with the Tortora name. So I do that and then in Spain, we have family. I had a cousin that was a mayor of two cities near Madrid, so I go visit him there. And I think it's, I think it's Catalonia, or I want to say that there's a part of Spain that was trying to like separate itself from the country, wow. and we have some family there too. So I go there. You can't say the Bahamas or something. Yeah, I'm not gonna say Bahamas. I'm going back to see my family. I, I feel I'm going to swim with Jonathan Thomas in what, whatever the Mediterranean <laughs> Sea. <laughs> All right, Zaire, we'll stay with you. What else you got for me? Okay, I'm trying to think of some Z60 questions. Let me think. I guess. Mm, what's your favorite cartoon of all time? Favorite cartoon? Mm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. By far. Michelangelo is my favorite. I also like Mighty Mouse, though. Are you a Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh type of guy? Oh, man, I don't, like, I don't really, I never played either, so. I guess I would be Pokemon? So you didn't really have any friends as a kid, huh? <laughs> you play Pokemon? Nah, nah, I play Yu-Gi-Oh, though. Yu-Gi-Oh okay. is dope. I'm a Yu-Gi-Oh guy. I have Pokemon cards as well, though. You know what? We're probably in two different generations, though. Like, not really. Know. Like a little bit, but yeah. not really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Somewhat, but not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good. I See, I was making friends on the court. You were making friends on Yu-Gi-Oh, so there you go. All right, Jonathan. All right, Jonathan. Go ahead. All right. Um, would you rather have uh, free gas for the whole year or uh, free utilities? Free utilities or free gas? Mm -hmm. uh, I guess free utilities. I can always ride my bike. What else you got for me? I interview people. I'm supposed to have quick answers, Jonathan. That's my life. What else you got? What's your favorite song of all time? Oh, God. Favorite song of all time. There's one that I listened to when they used to make singles on tape. And it was, it was Diddy, Notorious, and Mace with More Money, More Problems. 
So I like that. I like that one. That's a good one. I give it to that one. All right. All right. Give me one more before we go back to Zaire. What else you got? Anything in the world. And I have to answer it. If you had, so we'll, we'll, all right, if you had to pick one thing in the world, good. If you had, all right, so if you had a genie and you want to grant one thing in the world, what would you pick? If I had what? A genie. If I had a genie? Yeah. And I could get anything in the world, and it has to, it's in the world already. Mm -hmm. Right, right. I would take, I would take all the money from the one percenters, give them a little bit of that back, and I'd redistribute to some people that actually need it. I would, I would, you know what I would do? I would take money and I'd find a way to give to cancer and do what we need to do to get rid of cancer because I'm, I'm very tired of hearing people have to fight cancer. You know, my, my wife's godmother, my aunts, I'm just, I had a lot of people in my dad's family to battle with it. So we'd have to, we got to do something with cancer. We got to get rid of cancer. I respect that. Yeah, we got to do that. So I'm going to let you, Zaire's going to get a little talking to you right now. I'm going to give you one more. What else you got? I'll give you one more. I'll give you one more over here. And then we'll go to Zaire for the trifecta. What's your favorite soda you drink? Favorite soda? Mm -hmm. Coke Zero Cherry. It's the only one that I drink. So, all right, Zaire, you got you got a trifecta. I gave you a timeout to let you think about your past sins. Now, I can throw another question at you. All right, this is not a question, but you ever watch Z60? Never watch you what? You ever watch any of the Z60s? Z60? Do you not know what Z60 is? Z60? That hurts. Z60? Your you know stuff? Z60, yeah. Your like Cam's Cam and your stuff? Yeah. Okay, all Did right. Did you ever watch them? I don't think I've watched the full one. No, that's fair. All right, so if you had to describe yourself using a movie title, what, yeah. would, it, what would you say it'd be? Wait, uh, a movie title. This is tough. It's a Wonderful Life. Right. I go with that. There you go. That's smooth. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I pulled cool. it off. There you go. Let me see what else I got for you. All right, so. Let me think, let me think, let me think, let me think. All right, what's the worst movie you've seen in re like your recent history? Like the one of the movies that you're like, why did I even watch this? There's three. Uh oh. I've seen, I watch movies like religiously. And I'm also, one of the things I do is like screenwrite. I went to school with screenwriting. So that's, that's one of the things I want to do in my life at some point. So, Babylon AD with Vin Diesel that I did not want to go see and my friend's brother begged us to go. It was one of the worst things I ever spent money on in my life. So, and that movie had no premise, no point, there was no plot, it was stupid. Miss Congeniality 2, which an ex-girlfriend took me to see and I fell asleep for a half an hour. And she got really mad and my buddy that was on the other side of me thought it was hilarious. And then the third one, I don't think about this, Oh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. That movie was awful. My wife and I both fell asleep for like an hour. Oh, wow. She picked that movie though. She picked that movie. She picked that movie. So, all right, Zaire, you got one more and then we'll go back to Jonathan. Uh, 
I should ask you how much you listen to Wake Up Call, because I gotta watch Z60, and you need to start listening more to Wake Up. I mean, that's a fair. I wasn't upset. I just asked a question. No. I wanted, if you did, I wanted to know what your favorite, what was possibly was your favorite episode. But if you did, it's all right. I don't, I don't feel no type of way about it. We need to do more of that now. We I think you need to have me on Z60 because you've been on Wake Up Call. Yeah, that's true. Well, Z60's uh, it's retired time for the time. You need to unretire it for me. I <laughs> wear <laughs> uh, number 45. We'll make this thing happen. I better say. Um, all right, so if you could, uh, if you could play any sport right now, like you got given, you could, you could create, recreate Dan Tortora. You could become six eight if need be, uh, 80, 80 inch wingspan. Whatever. There's a, there's whatever a level of what disrespect sport, what sport, here. No, I'm saying though, like, <laughs> what sport would it? What sport would you play, and what position would it be in that sport? Would it be football, or would it be another sport? I, there was one sport that I got handed. I got handed a ball at three years old, and if I played anything first, it would have to be this. I would 100% be a point guard, play basketball. Point guard? Toronto Raptors. Yes. Raptor? You're a Raptors fan? First place in the Eastern Conference. What are you talking to me about? What's up? You talking? Y'all not good. It's, a, it's first place. And y'all lose in the first round every year. Nobody cares. Nobody wait, 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 wait. Are you a Philly fan? I'm a Sixers fan, yes. Okay, so. Wait, let's get into it. Let's so, get right wait, into it. Right. Yep. So you understand. Let's get right into you it. You understand. That's cool. So we're turning bodies now. Yeah, let's get right into you, it. You understand that your team tanked to get the number one draft pick or close to the number one draft pick four years in a row, then traded away almost every single one of those players. None of them end up being good. It so, wasn't, you, you would say, you would say, from your, from the outside perspective, you would look, oh, Michael Carter Williams, not, not, no shade. Right. I, I actually know, I met Mike before, he's a good guy. Right. But from their perspective, they would say, oh, he won a rookie of the year. Right. We should build around him. But that wasn't the point guard that they wanted to build for through. Therefore, they got rid of him. Right. Same thing with Nerlens Noel. He was a good player. I, I didn't even want Nerlens to leave. However, he wasn't the type of player that they wanted to build through. So, they decided to continue to move on instead of just, Continually be average and you know constantly lose to the same teams every year. They were just like, look, we'd rather be great or we'd rather be terrible. Well, so, why, I mean, why lose to a team in the first round of the playoffs when you cannot make the playoffs every year? Yeah, I would rather <laughs> not make the playoffs than lose in the first round every year. That's but that's what you want. That between Allen Iverson and Ben Simmons, there's been almost nothing. Well, that's not true because when Iguodala was on the team, we were a perennial four or five seed every year. A little bit, yeah. But Toronto has worked their way up to a number one seed without a superstar. And then y'all completely acknowledge that you're going to lose to LeBron every year. That's what Dwayne Casey said. He said, he's like, we're playing the best player of all time. What do you expect? To so you accept it like the Sixers are part. I, I got the Sixers beating the Cavs, I mean, personally. I want the Cavs to lose, but. Of course, because y'all don't want to play them. It's very. <laughs> you don't want to play I mean, nobody no, wants want to play the, the Cavs. I want the Sixers to play the Cavs. I think they'll win. With Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. I came in today wanting Philly to play well, but then there was like some kind of way coming from you. So, listen, Toronto is Toronto works out of the basement to become relevant again, and they are consistently in the playoffs. They are number one seed for the first time ever. More home wins than they've ever had before. Yep. More overall wins than they've ever had before. Yep. And at the same time, do yep. I want to play Cleveland? No, yep. because is there? But the thing is, how many teams can stop LeBron James besides Golden State? No, and Toronto stops him in the regular I'll, I'll season. I argue that no one stops LeBron James, but they try you to beat the Cavs. Right. I mean, the Warriors didn't stop LeBron James. He averaged 40 points in a triple-double. But they beat him. Are you for 
Philadelphia and Toronto starting a mega team and playing Jay, playing the Cavs simultaneously. Well, I believe LeBron's coming to Philly next this summer. So, I, I mean, that's a bold prediction, Ooh. but I, I don't, I can't, I don't think he's going to stay. If you're going to choose between LA and Philly, the team is better in Philly than it is in LA. LA's all it, kinds of problems. Yeah, you don't want to even go deal with that. And it, Magic is never going to give up the control. Well, I don't think the Sixers are going to give up control, but he won't have to do all that stuff in Philly. We, might have, to, we might have to place a bet to see if Philly gets farther than Toronto or vice versa, we might have to play something we on that. We could do that. We're going to put something on that. We, we could. We could. Okay. Off the air. We could. We could. All right, off the air. We're well, going to do that. I'm no more, so it don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> so we can do whatever we want. Okay. There's three final questions that you guys can ask. Jonathan, what is your third to last? Uh, who's your favorite athlete of all time? Oh, wow. Mm. Favorite athlete of all time. This is so hard with, with all different sports. I don't know. I mean, I guess Michael Jordan's the guy that, like, if I watch the game a hundred times, I'll watch it again. So, I mean, Michael Jordan for basketball, Magic Johnson for basketball. I would say football-wise, I loved watching Steve Young, Dan Marino. Baseball, Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth. I really liked watching Sammy Sosa when he was playing, though. So I would say that. All right, so... We'll go back and forth here. So that was your third to last. Zaire, what's your third to last one? Jeez. The Celtics just gained the, the Bucks like real, real bad. Like that's for that's for the game. That was crazy. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, what's um? I guess. So say 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 you get out of the media business, right? So you get into the uh, athletic training business. You know, it's your job to train athletes, professional college, high school, whatever you want to do, right? Yeah. What's the first motivational quote that you're gonna put on the wall? Be better than yourself. What does that mean? It means that the only person you should ever compete with is yourself. So be better than who you were yesterday, and don't compare yourself to anybody else but yourself. That's, That's what I would say. That's All right, Jonathan, second to last, what is it? I like the answer. If you had to rank the top uh, three basketball players of all time, who would it be? What am I doing? Top, top three? three? Oh, God. Man. Larry Bird. I'm just going to say him. I'm not going to say him. I'm going to say him. Yes, we won three. One through three. Michael Jordan, number one. Magic Johnson, number two. Larry Bird, number three. Rapping LeBron. <laughs> Rapping LeBron and Kobe. I'm, I'm looking at historical, man. See, that LeBron. No, what you mean? Le, <laughs> like, listen, if I, have, if I have Jordan, Bird, Johnson, or something of, of that, I'm not saying LeBron's not top five. But Kobe top five. But I don't know if I put Kobe... I don't know if I would put Kobe over Magic, and I don't know if I would put, I don't know, LeBron, LeBron's tough. Because LeBron, I always fight with putting him in the, in the top three or not putting him in the top three. It's tough. Where would you put him? I know number one. I, number one? Yeah. Over Michael Jordan. Yeah. Oh, my God. See, that's a generational gap. No. He, that's a generational gap. He's had a spotlight on since he was 18. Man. Yeah, Michael Michael Jordan got kicked off of his high school team. He said he wasn't good enough. LeBron had a spot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you have. So then, who do you have? Where's Jordan? Two. And then who's three? Kobe. Kobe. Uh, 
All right, Zaire, yeah. what's, what's your second? What'd you say? Yeah, it's gonna be magic. And then magic. I like magic. Okay. Especially on 2K. All right, so like top four, we got them Shaq ordered five. differently. Shaq. Mm. Shaq's game is one dimensional. He's never been a big like uh, like Shaq. I mean, nobody that uh, Shaq is in it. He's a true center. But I'm looking at like all around like guys that could do all all types of stuff. If you go all around, how could you not say LeBron's the best player of all time? Because. Michael, because Michael Jordan to me has got to be the best. Michael Jordan was insane. All right. So let's let's fade back here and a regular. Yeah. So while we're doing this live show, they just called a shot off. So they said it was no good or something. All right. All right, Zaire, what's your second to last here? Zaire's upset. <laughs> we just missing all kind of nonsense. They just turn around and just playoffs. watch it like that. But uh, I'm trying to think. You said second to last? Second to last. You guys got one more after this. I mean, I guess I'll flip it on you, I guess. What is your mission statement, I guess? I mean, I guess I asked you for your motivational quote, but. Yeah. My mission statement? Never let somebody tell you who you are, what you can be where you can go and what you can do because to lose yourself in the to lose yourself in the expectations of other people is to lose yourself completely I'm about to motivate you right now look at that <laughs> all right final question jonathan what do you got i feel like that lebron jordan thing that like that gets everybody. If there's like four or five years difference in age, people have totally different views. I don't discredit it though. Do you, you have uh, you have a kid yet? I do not have a. I have a dog. I don't have, have a child yet. Uh, yeah, I have. Uh, I have Lily. You gonna ask me what I would name my child? That's a good question. Yeah, what, what would you? Whatever she says. <laughs> I would name it. Jair for Jonathan and Zaire. That's what I do. There we go. Political. All right, I'll give you another one, Jonathan. What do you got? Jair. Jair, that's good. Yeah, Jair. I do have a name for a girl, and we agreed on it. I name her Journey. Journey? Journey. We're about a boy. That's tough. Kate said we could do Dan Jr., but I don't know. I'm like, yes, you did. That is such a lie. But I'm all about a kid having their own path, so. I like Donnie. I like Donnie. We talked about that too. <laughs> yeah, Donnie. Yeah, Donatello. All right. All right, Jonathan. I'll give you one more. Get myself in trouble over here. My wife's lying in public. Uh, What's your favorite uh, color? Green. Green and orange, actually. So, all right, Zaire, what's your final question? Uh, your mommy put you on the spot real quick. Go ahead. Put you on the spot. All right, so tell us the story of uh, how you proposed to your wife. Okay, all right. I can do that. See, I'm better with dates and times than my wife. So it was, a, it was Tuesday, May 21st. We were in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and my wife and I were fighting about something stupid, and my mom was there, my dad was there, uh, my wife's mom and her sister. <laughs> and and we were having an argument over something like that. It was like spending $200 on like a Michael Kors person just because yeah. of the name. And I was like, why would you do that? So. Now, MK, you got to look good, though. Is that, I understand. I ain't getting it. 
So, so we're having this conversation, and then we went to bed, and it was so stupid. I was like, what are we fighting about? So she's laying on one side of the bed. I'm laying on the other. I put my arm around her. She rolled over, put her arm on my chest, and she said, I love you. And I was like, that's all it took to end the fight? Was for me to just put my arm around you and just be here? And I looked, and I had the ring. I had gotten the ring and stashed it, hidden it from everybody, brought it on the trip. So nobody knew it was there. So I got up and I told her that I was cold because it was in my sweatshirt. And I never am cold, ever. And so, even in Syracuse. So I went and I got it, and I got on the ground, and I said... I said, moments like this remind me why you're the right person, because she never wants to fight, and she always wants to be good to each other, and still, I mean, six years later, so I, I took out the ring, and, and she gave me the three what is that. She looked at me, because I've been messing with her, and so I've been, like, tying my shoe, or, like, getting on the ground and asking her if she wanted to get lunch or something like that, so I was messing with her for, like, a year. So she said, she looked at me, and she goes, what is that? And I was like, what do you mean? She goes, she backed up on the bed. She goes, no, really, what is that? And then she started crying. She's like, what is that? And then she bit it to make sure it wasn't chocolate. <laughs> she did. So, yeah. But she said yes. And so that's where we are. I asked her to marry me in Myrtle Beach. And it was, I didn't want, like, any jumbotron or anybody around. I didn't want her to feel like she had to say yes to me. I wanted her to choose to say yes. So... I'm happy uh, her teeth are still intact. Yeah, I know, yeah. She got a nice ring, so it's all good. So that coming from Zaire Franklin, Jonathan Thomas, myself, Dan Satora, here at the Wildcat Sports Pub. We are here every month with different guests, so come out and see us, take a card, and listen to the show five days a week in the morning on wakeupcalldt.com. Please give a round of applause to Zaire, to Jonathan, and I'm very happy to be here as well. Thank you to Danny and to Heather Tome. We appreciate you being here. And gentlemen, please, whatever you're doing, do it well as you always have. Don't forget about me. Appreciate having you. Thank you, Zaire. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you all for having us. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Gear up with the real deal at Drysig Apparel, creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DrysigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Utica Pizza Company spells family. Your family. My family. Their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens... They're the best. Utica Pizza Company, 
Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sport shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Proud to be here with you this morning and every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And and I want to thank everybody who has tuned into the show and supported the show. I want to give a special thanks to everybody who follows on Twitter at calldt on Instagram at, at wakeupcall underscore DT, and on Facebook at wakeupcalldt. Thank you for being a part of that. And to all the members on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt for free, and wakeupcalldt.com, also free to become a member and subscribe there. So thank you to everybody that's done that, and to everybody that has come out to our live events in the community of Central and Upstate New York, you've been amazing. You know, at the Wildcat, at Chick Fil A, Cicero, wherever we do events. Thank you so much for being a part of it. That event was awesome, and you could hear those people. And just, I mean, it, it was, it was great. It was definitely a blessing. So, thank you so much for being a part of the show and for coming out as a community and supporting. I really, really can't thank you enough for that, and I appreciate that to the nth degree. So, much, much thanks to the people of Central and Upstate New York for the love and the support and the the positivity. So, I appreciate it, and thank you for being a part of Wake Up Call and being a part of what we do. But that being said, you know, moving on here in the morning menu inside of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, I watched something last night. And it's been sticking on my mind, and that is Paterno, which was played by Al Pacino. He played the late coach, Joe Paterno. And, you know, watching the movie and and kind of seeing the background of it all, you know, people say, what's real? What's fabricated? You know, what's something that, that we can actually hang our hat on and know happened? And what's something that, that wasn't? So... You know, that's that's the thing about, you know, movie magic is people want to know what actually happened, what didn't happen. Did did these instances go down like this? Did he really say that? Did he really do that? You know, because these are behind the scenes and it doesn't paint Joe Paterno in a wonderful picture by any stretch of the imagination. It doesn't make him look good by any stretch of the imagination at all. And, you know, that's 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 the tough part of of this whole situation is you know it happened it affected the kids and when you go through it you know it was all about Joe Paterno it wasn't about the kids it was about does he get to keep his job everything he did for the university yada 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 and and nothing about the kids not a lot about the kids by any stretch of the imagination just nothing you know and that that is something that is very very sad and very disgusting and horrible and watching the movie and people are going to critique the movie and in and whatever about the movie i thought the movie was a really good movie it was compelling it made me think it made me go back and look things up and see what actually happened it it put me in a place where i wanted to know more and where you know it, it just and it did at the same time it sickened me you know we we look at the story of Jerry Sandusky, he was born in Washington, Pennsylvania. He has three, pardon me, he has many adopted children, pardon me. 
He has EJ, Kara, John, Jeff, Ray, Matt. They fostered a bunch of children as well. His occupation was the assistant football coach at Penn State for 32 years before his retirement, including 23 years as defensive coordinator. The Second Mile was founded by Sandusky in 1977 as a group foster home for troubled boys, but grew into a nonprofit organization that, quote, helps young people to achieve their potential as individuals and community members, end quote. Made a ton of money off of this, allegedly. And in May 25, 2012, the Second Mile requests court approval in Center County, Pennsylvania, to transfer its programs to Arrow Child and Family Ministries and shut down. The second mile requests to stay in their petition to transfer its programs, saying this action will allow any pending or future claims filed by Jerry Sandusky's victims to be resolved before key programs or assets are considered for transfer. They did that in August of 2012. And then we look at the timeline of accusations. 1994 to 97, Sandusky engages in inappropriate conduct with different boys he met separately through the second mile program. 1998, Penn State Police and the PA Department of Public Welfare investigate an incident in which the mother of an 11-year-old boy reports that Sandusky showered with her son. Also in 1998, a psychologist, Alicia Chambers, tells Penn State Police that Sandusky acted the way a pedophile might in her assessment of a case in which the mother of a young boy reported that Sandusky showered with her son and may have had inappropriate contact with him. A second psychologist, John Seesock, reported he found no indication of child abuse. June 1st of 1998, in an interview, Sandusky admitted showering naked with the boy, saying it was wrong and promised not to do it again. The district attorney advises investigators that no charges will be filed, and the university police chief instructs that the case will be closed. In June, So all you had to say was, I won't do it again. That's nice. Beautiful. June 1999, a year later, Sandusky retires from Penn State after coaching for 32 years, but receives emeritus status with full access to the campus and football facilities. So he's got keys to everything, even though he's retired. 2000, James Calhoun, a janitor at Penn State, tells his supervisor and another janitor he saw Sandusky sexually abusing a young boy by the Lash Building showers. No one reports the incident to university officials or to law enforcement. March 2nd, 2002, graduate assistant Mike McQuarrie tells coach Joe Paterno that on March 1st, 2002, he witnessed Sandusky sexually abusing a 10-year-old boy in the Lash Building showers. On May 7th of 2012, prosecutors filed court documents to change the date of the assault to on or about or around February 9th, 2011, or 2001, pardon me, February 9th, 2001. March 3rd, 2002, Paterno reports the incident to athletic director Tim Curley. Later, McQuarrie meets with Curley and senior vice president for finance and business Gary Schultz. McQuarrie testifies that he told Curley and Schultz that he saw Sandusky and the boy engaged in, I'm sorry folks, I know it's a family show, anal sex. Curley and Schultz testify they were not told of any such allegation. No law enforcement investigation is launched. So McQuarrie says he tells Curley and Schultz, they say they weren't told. Nobody investigates it. 2005 or 2006, some vague here, Sandusky befriends another second mile participant whose allegations would form the foundation of the multi-year grand jury investigation. 2006 or 2007, 
Sandusky begins to spend more time with the boy, taking him to sporting events, giving him gifts. During this period, he performs oral sex on the boy more than 20 times, and the boy does the same on him once. 2008, the boy breaks off contact with Sandusky. Later, his mother calls the boy's high school to report her son had been sexually assaulted, and the principal bans Sandusky from campus and reports the incident to police. The ensuing investigation reveals 118 calls from Sandusky's home and cell phone to the boy's home. November 2008, Sandusky informs at the second mile that he informs the second mile he's under investigation. He is removed from all program activities involving children, according to the group. Post the grand jury report. November 4th, 2011, grand jury report is released. November 5th, Sandusky is arraigned on 40 criminal counts. He's released on a $100,000 bail. Athletic Director Curley and Senior Vice President for Finance and Business Schultz are each charged with one count of felony perjury and one count of failure to report abuse allegations. November 7th, Curley and Schultz are both arraigned and resigned from their positions. November 9th, Paterno announces he intends to retire at the end of the 2011 season. Hours later, university trustees announce that President Graham Spainer and Coach Paterno are fired, effective immediately. On November 11th, McQuarrie, now a Penn State receivers coach who witnessed the 2002 rape of a young boy, is placed on indefinite administrative leave. November 14th, in a phone interview with Bob Costas, Sandusky states that he is, quote, innocent of the charges and claims that he only that the only thing he did wrong was, quote, showering with those kids. November 15th, the morning call in Allentown reports that a November 8th, 2011 email to a former classmate, McQuarrie says he did stop the 2002 assault he witnessed and talk with police about it. November 16th, 2011, this is disgusting. A new judge is assigned to the Sandusky case after it's discovered that Leslie du- or Dutchcott, Ducat, I, I'm sorry if I'm butchering that name, Dutchcott, the judge who freed Sandusky on a $100,000 bail volunteered at the Second Mile Charity. So the previous judge let him go on bail and was connected to the Second Mile Charity where he was allegedly committing these crimes. November 21st, it's announced that former FBI Director Louis Free will lead an independent inquiry for Penn State into the school's response to allegations of child sex abuse. November 22nd, the Patriot News reports that the children and youth services in Pennsylvania have two open cases of child sex abuse against Sandusky. The cases were reported less than two months ago and are in the initial stages of investigation. So two open cases in 2011, when everything allegedly happened back in 1998, and then we find that potentially 1976 was the beginning. The administ- on, on November 22nd as well, the Administrative Office of Pennsylvania Courts announced that all Center County Common Pleas Courts judges have recused themselves from the Sandusky case. The office said this to avoid any conflicts of interest due to their connection with Sandusky, the Second Mile Charity, or Penn State. November 30th, the first lawsuit in the scandal is filed on behalf of a person listed in the complaint as John Doe, who says he was 10 years old when he met Sandusky through the Second Mile Charity. His attorney said Sandusky sexually abused the victim, quote, over 100 times, end quote, and threatened to harm the victim and his family if he alerted anyone to the abuse. December 2nd, 2011, a victim's attorney said they have reached a settlement with the Second Mile that allows it to stay in operation, but requires it to obtain court approval before transferring assets or closing. December 3rd, 
In an interview with the New York Times, Sandusky says, quote, if I say, no, I'm not attracted to young boys, that's not the truth because I'm attracted to young people. Boys, girls, I, end quote. His lawyer speaks up at that point to note that Sandusky is not sexually attracted to them. December 7th. Sandusky is arrested on additional child rape charges, which raises, raises the number of victims from 8 to 10. He's charged with four counts of involuntary deviant sexual intercourse, two counts of unlawful contact with a minor. He also faces one new count of indecent assault and two counts of endangering a child's welfare, in addition to a single count of indecent assault and two counts of corruption of minors. December 8th, 2011. Sandusky's released on $250,000 bail, $150,000 more than the first bail. He's placed under house arrest, required to wear an electronic monitoring device. He's also restricted from contacting the victims and possible witnesses. And he must be supervised during any interactions with minors. December 13th, Sandusky enters a plea of not guilty and waives his right to a preliminary hearing. December 16th, a hearing is held for Curley and Schultz. McQuarrie testifies he told university officials that he saw Sandusky possibly sexually assaulting a boy in 2002. Following the testimony, the judge rules that the perjury case against Curley and Schultz will go to trial. The, the incident is later said to have happened in 2001 and not 2002. January 13, 2012. Curley and Schultz enter pleas of not guilty for their failure to report child sex abuse. Wave a court appearance scheduled for later the month. in the month. January 22, 2012. Former longtime Penn State coach Joe Paterno dies at the age of, 50, of 85. February 14th, 2012. Penn State says that the Sandusky case has cost the university $3.2 million thus far in combined legal, consultant, and, and public relations fees. In other news, I don't care. June 11th, 2012. The trial begins. June 22nd. Sandusky's found guilty on 45 counts 11 days later. It's all it took. Less than two weeks. 45 counts after jurors deliberate for almost 21 hours. His bail is immediately revoked and he's taken to jail. June 30th. McQuarrie's contract as assistant football coach ends. So he was still on the staff. July 6th. Former Penn State president Spainer tells investigators that he was never informed of any incident involving Sandusky. July 12th. Lewis Free announces the findings of the investigation into Penn State's actions concerning Sandusky and child abuse. The report accuses the former leader at Penn State, leaders at Penn State, of er, of showing quote total and consistent disregard end quote for child sex abuse victims while covering up the attacks of a longtime sexual predator. July 23, 2012, the NCAA announces a $60 million fine against Penn State, bans the team from the postseason for four years. Additionally, the school must vacate all wins from 1998 to 2011 and will lose 20 football scholarships a year for four seasons. The Big Ten Conference rules that Penn State's share, share of, of bowl revenues for the next four seasons, roughly $13 million, will be donated to charities working to prevent child abuse. August 24th, Victim 1 files a lawsuit against Penn State. September 20th, Penn State hires Feinberg Rosen LLP, headed by Kenneth Feinberg, who oversaw the 9-11 and BP oil spill victim, victims funds. October 2nd, McQuarrie files a whistleblower lawsuit against Penn State. October 8th, an audio statement from Sandusky airs in which he protests his innocence and says he's falsely accused. October 9th, 
Sandusky is sentenced to no less than 30 years and no more than 60 years in prison. During the hearing, Sandusky is designated a violent sexual offender. October 15th, plaintiff John Doe, 21-year-old male, files a lawsuit against Sandusky, Penn State, Second Mile, Spainer, Curley, and Schultz. Doe alleges that he would not have been assaulted by Sandusky if officials who are aware he was molesting boys had not covered up his misconduct. October 18th, Sandusky's lawyers file an appeal. November 1st, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania files eight charges against former Penn State President Spainer in connection with the rape scandal. The charges include perjury and endangering the welfare of a child. Former University Vice President Schultz and former Athletics Director Curley face the same charges, according to Attorney General Linda Kelly. November 15th of 2012, the Middle States Commission on Higher Education lifts its warning and reaffirms Penn State's accreditation. I'm going to read that again. November 15, 2012, the Middle States Commission on Higher Education lifts its warning and reaffirms Penn State's accreditation. December 5th, the trial for Curley and Schultz scheduled for January 7, 2013 is postponed until further notice. January 30th, 2013, Judge John M. Cleland denies Sandusky's appeal for a new trial. Shout out to you, Judge. July 30th, 2013, a judge rules that Spainer, Curley, and Schultz will face trial on obstruction of justice and other charges related to the Sandusky child sex abuse scandal. August 26th, attorneys announced Sandusky's adopted son and six other victims have finalized settlement agreements. October 2nd, the Superior Court of Pennsylvania denies Sandusky's appeal. Shout out to the Superior Court. October 28th, 2013, Penn State announces it has reached settlements with what it calls 26 victims of Jerry Sandusky, and the amount paid by the university totals $59.7 million. October, or April 2nd, 2014, Supreme Court of Pennsylvania denies Sandusky's appeal again. Pardon me, that's the Supreme Court. Now, it, was the, it was originally Judge John M. Cleland, then the Superior Court, then the Supreme Court. They all denied it. Good for them. September 8, 2014, NCAA ends the Nittany Lions postseason ban and scholarship limits. The $60 million fine and the 13 years of vacated wins for renowned coach Paterno remain in place. January 16, 2015, the NCAA agrees to restore 111 of Paterno's wins as part of a settlement of the lawsuit brought by State Senator Jake Corman and Treasurer Rob McCord. Also as part of the settlement, Penn State agrees to commit $60 million to the prevention and treatment of child sexual abuse. December 23, 2015. A spokeswoman for the State of Pennsylvania Employee Retirement System says Sandusky will receive $211,000 in back payments and his regular pension payments will resume. This is a result of a November 13th court ruling that reversed a 2012 decision to terminate Sandusky's pension under a state law that allows the termination of pensions of public employees convicted of a disqualifying crime. The judge said in his ruling that Sandusky was not employed at the time of the crimes he was convicted of committing, so he got his money back. January 22, 2016, a three-judge panel reverses the obstruction of justice and conspiracy charges against Spainer, Curley, and Schultz and the perjury charges against Spainer and Curley. They just 
Made out like bandits up to this point. May 4th, 2016. A new allegation proposed Paterno knew that his assistant coach Sandusky was sexually abusing a child as early as 1976, according to a new court filing. The ongoing lawsuit filed in 2013 seeks to determine whether Penn State or its insurance policy is liable for paying Sandusky's victim. At least 30 men were involved in a civil settlement with Penn State, and the number of victims could be even higher. May 6, 2016. CNN reports the story of another alleged victim who explains how he was tr- a troubled young kid in 1971 when Sandusky raped him in a Penn State bathroom. Then he says his complaint about it was ignored by Paterno. Now... We're talking about Sandusky doing it while he was still working, which means all his money would go away again. July 12, 2016. Newly unsealed court documents allege that Paterno knew about Sandusky's abuse and that he dismissed a victim's complaint. August 12, 2016. In a bid for a new trial, Sandusky testifies at a post-conviction hearing claiming his lawyers bungled his 2012 trial on the stand Sandusky describes what he said was bad media and legal advice given to him by his former lawyer, Joseph Amendola. That bad advice, he said, included an interview he granted to Costas on NBC. November 3rd, the Department of Education fines Penn State $2.4 million for violating the Cleary Act, a law that requires universities to report crimes on campus. It's the largest fine in the history of the act. March 13th, 2017, Former Penn State Athletic Director Curley and former Vice President Schultz plead guilty to a misdemeanor charge of endangering the welfare of children in exchange for the dismissal of felony charges. So Schultz and Coley, er, pardon me, Curley and Schultz got off with a slap on the hand. June 2nd, 2017. The former president of Penn State University, Spainer, and two other former administrators are sentenced to jail terms for failing to report a 2001 allegation that assistant coach Sandusky was was molesting young boys. Spainer, whose total sentence is 4 to 12 months incarceration, not enough time, will be on probation for two years and must pay a $7,500 fine. Not enough. According to Joe Grace, a spokesman for the Pennsylvania Attorney's General Office. Former athletic director Curley is sentenced to 7 to 23 months incarceration, not enough, and two years probation, Gray said. He will serve three months in jail, followed by house arrest, and pay a $5,000 fine. Oh, poor you, you... mm. Former senior vice president for finance and business, Schultz, is sentenced to 6 to 23 months incarceration, incarceration, two years probation. He will serve two months in jail, followed by house arrest, and pay a $5,000 fine, according to Gray's. You thought it was over? January January 9th, 2018, this year, Penn State reports that the total amount of settlement awarded of settlement awards paid to Sandusky's victims is now over 109 million dollars. So y'all thought this case was over. Oh, it ain't over. <clears throat> Not by a long shot. And the sexual deviant continues to appeal and wants the and wants and is, is blaming his lawyers. Oh, they didn't know what they were doing. Okay. You keep telling yourself that, buddy. Keep telling yourself that. Watching the show, and this is the thing. You know, people want to say what they want to say about acting. It was a good movie. Why? Because it makes people watch it. Why? Because it's 
Joe Paterno, and Al Pacino's playing him. And it compels you to watch it. And the guy that plays Jerry Sandusky disgustingly looks exactly like Jerry Sandusky. So you put this all together into a movie and people watch it. And when people watch it, then they think. And when they think, they might go beyond the crazy fans that were standing outside screaming for Joe Paterno. Folks... The timeline of accusations went back to 1994, and then we see, no, maybe it's 1976 when things started. We have a timeline from 1994 to 2018. What this man did over a vast period of time is disgusting. And... I understand that people love Penn State and they're fans of Penn State and they love Joe Paterno. You can't, that doesn't equal out and delete this, okay? I might piss people off by saying this, but if Joe Paterno hid things, bless him in heaven. You know, I'm not trying to go against his soul or his spirit. If he knew about this stuff, then how can you say, oh, Joe Paterno, I love him. Do you love your children? Do you love yourself? Would you like someone to sexually abuse you? Let alone at 10 years old. Think about everything that happened. And if you're one of those fans that was screaming, we want Joe Pa, Joe Pa, Joe Pa, You can't have blinders on. There are people whose whose lives were allegedly threatened for telling the truth. Victims for telling the truth. Media for telling the truth. People always want the media to tell the truth and they say the media lies all the time. Then the media tells the truth and you hate them for it. So what do you want? The truth or the lie? You don't want the media to lie unless you don't want to hear the truth. Well, that's interesting because it sounds like you're a lot like the media you don't like. Don't tell me the truth unless I like it. Seems like a good life to lead. Don't tell me the truth unless I want to hear it. And if I don't like the truth, then lie to me. That seems happy. Seems to continue on. Now, did Joe Paterno do this to the kids? No. There's no sign that he did. Right? It was Jerry. It was Jerry. But, for Schultz, for Spainer, for Paterno, for Curly, whoever kept their mouth shut led to more victims more pain, more suffering, more lives drastically altered. And you have to think about that. If Joe Paterno was involved in turning a blind eye, just turning away, if he did that and he knew 
I don't care how many games you want. I want to know how many children were raped, attacked, and assaulted after he turned his back. That's the only statistic that matters. Nothing else. And don't even try to tell me that there's something else. Oh, he won 400. I don't care. I don't care. It could be anybody. You can't look at at a coach or an institution and say, well, we don't want to ruin the history. I can't live if, if, if Joe Paterno did. If he did that, then he did that. If he did that, then he assisted Sandusky in continuing his reign of terror. Okay? If I know the guy next door is beating his wife and I don't call the cops, maybe one day he kills her. That's on my conscience. That's on me. I'm not involved. I didn't beat her. I didn't hurt her. But I know it's happening. And I said nothing. And now she's gone. And he's fine. He pleads this, that, whatever. He's got friends in the force. And he gets to stay home with the kids and beat the hell out of them now. What have I done? Nothing. By doing nothing, a whole lot of everything happened. Joe Paterno died amidst all of this. But he looked conflicted. And how quickly he passed away amidst all of this shows me that, you know, they say cancer, this, that, and the other thing. But stress had to have been involved. Because he's going about his life, he's doing his thing, he's not in perfect health, but it's like, boom, this happens, and then he's gone. Like a whisper in the wind. I know people love Joe Paterno. I know people love Penn State. But if you wake up this morning and are screaming, Joe Pa, and not thinking about one of those kids, one of those kids... This world is so sick that we can get so involved in supporting something and not see what's going on in the background. When you're screaming, Joe Pa, Joe Pa, Joe Pa, and fighting with the cops, victims' families are watching those videos. And they're wondering, where's the justice? Where's the justice in in a judge who is working with the second mile hearing the case on Sandusky and letting him go home. Where is the justice? Where is the justice in being told that Sandusky's a good guy and we, you know, don't don't mess with a good guy. Do you know how terrifying it is to be abused? And then to have somebody tell you, you don't want to fight this case? You don't want to go up against that name? Because you're not going to win. Do you know how terrifying that is? You probably don't. I hope to God you don't. Because it would be horrible, horrible for you to know that pain. To be abused, to be hurt, to be messed with in the brain, and then have somebody tell you, don't tell the truth because the name on the other side is bigger than you and they'll eat you alive. Do you know how many victims stay victims because they're afraid of the power of the person victimizing them? 
Jerry Sandusky is a disgusting human being. The people that protected them protected him are disgusting human beings. And if one of those people happens to be Joe Paterno, your conscience needs to be your guide and not the media guide of how many wins he has. And I would say that about any coach. We'll take a step aside here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora and be back in just a moment with Ingredients to Success. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. Hi, this is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. The Pennant Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Pennant Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Pennant Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your events, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Rounding out Tuesday's show as we always do with ingredients to success, proudly brought to you by Utica Pizza Company. Utica Pizza Company is... Available to you on 628 South Main Street, North Syracuse, New York, right by the Sweetheart Corners and the Syracuse Hancock International Airport right down the road from there. You can kick, you can connect to Utica Pizza Company on 628 South Main Street, North Syracuse, New York, coming through Liverpool off a bunch of different major highways, Cicero, Clay, Maddydale, in, in, within North Syracuse, Syracuse itself, right by the city. It's very, very easy to get to and very centrally located. 628 South Main Street in North Syracuse, New York, right by Sweetheart Corners. If you would like to go to them for catering or takeout or delivery, you can call 315-214-3060. It's 315-214-3060. Utica Pizza Company, constantly, every day, bringing you the recipes that were on the family table to your table in the best of ways. And I want to thank them for all the work they do to Charlie and Phil and the entire team at Utica Pizza Company. Thank you for the work that you do. We appreciate it very, very much. And the vast help that you've brought to 
this community that goes well beyond food. Thank you so much for all that you're doing and, and much appreciated for the work that you do. So thank you. With that being said, let's jump into this week's ingredients to success. Shall we? And it's going to go back to Des Bryant and ingredients to success. Where should Des go? Well, we have to look at the ingredients to success, the ingredients for him that would make him have the best possible opportunity. So let's go ahead and and speak on this. Now, I want to go, Some I'm sorry, something caught my eye here. Matthew on Twitter at Matthew 605-52173 said, Des Bryant, a buddy of mine got buried in your jersey. He'll wear the number 88 of Dallas forever. Remember, no matter where you'll go, you'll always be a legend in Texas. Romo plus Des equals nightmare. And then somebody else put out, no matter where Des Bryant goes, we're repping. Go get the ring. So, with that being said, ingredients to success for Des Bryant. Where does he go? I went through the teams that he could potentially go to. Obviously, he's not going to Dallas. We'll go back to the NFC East in a second. He's not going to stay there. He got kicked out of there. So, we have 31 teams to look at. Chicago, I said no because he spent money on Allen Robinson and and bringing some pieces in and whatnot. Detroit would make sense. Green Bay is not going to spend the bread. Minnesota's got their guys. So Detroit out of the NFC North makes sense for him to go to, right? So we'll put down the Lions. The Lions make sense. And then we're going to go through the ingredients to success of what he needs once we go through this. Through this, pardon me. The Falcons have their people. The Panthers is the Cam Newton show. The Saints, no. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, not going to happen with Jameis Winston. And the, I just don't see it there. Because that's that's not where he's going to go and have an opportunity to win a championship, in my opinion, Right now, the Arizona Cardinals make sense. The cards make sense for sure. So going to put the Cardinals down. They need some help, and they're not going to have Larry Fitzgerald forever. And wouldn't that be a nightmare? Who would ever thought that Larry Fitzgerald and Des Bryant would be on the same team lining up on opposite sides of the field, and you have to figure out which one you're going to send more people toward? That's pretty amazing. The Rams could make sense because the Rams like spending that bread. So the Rams could make sense as well. The Niners, I already spoke about the Niners make sense. I don't see him going to the Seahawks. This doesn't make sense to me. Seahawks have no running game, and so nothing to alleviate. And when you know that they're going to pass the ball 99% of the time or that they should pass the ball 99% of the time, it doesn't help you guys out. So I don't really like that scenario for Dez. To look at uh, the rest of them, the Buffalo Bills, I didn't like this because I don't know what A.J. McCarron's going to be and what they're going to choose to do moving forward. So they do need help at wide receiver, potentially. I just don't think that Dez is going to go there because this is the team that could win seven games, could win three games. They could be all over the place this year. Miami, no, because the quarterback problems are a drastic issue. The Patriots, he's not going to do that. The Jets would make some sense. But the Jets have quarterback woes. But that's why we're going to talk about the ingredients to success. The Baltimore Ravens, they make some sense here because they have had problems at wide receiver for the better part of the last three or four seasons with Joe Flacco there. The Bengals, they're not going to do that. They don't even know how. I mean, A.J. Green doesn't stay healthy, and there's never a true number two guy there. They need to figure that out. I don't think Des wants to go into that storm. The Cleveland Browns, they make sense. Antonio Brown being in, in with Pittsburgh, 
keeps him out of there. Houston makes sense. We're gonna go to we're gonna go around here and say and see what the ingredients to success are for him to move forward. The Colts need help, but Andrew Luck not a good look. The Jaguars make sense. Marcus Mariota and the Titans kind of teetering on are they good or are they not? Are they you know they made some good moves. They brought in some Patriots, but at the same time, the Tennessee Titans is to me, it's it's not the best place for a wide receiver to end up right now. The Denver Broncos, you don't know who the hell. I mean, who's going to be the quarterback? Case Keenum, maybe, perhaps. What's it going to look like there? Who knows? Kansas City, Pat Mahomes coming in there in his first season because he watched last year under Alex Smith, so I don't like that. Phillip Rivers, no. Oakland Raiders, maybe. So here's the list I have for Des Bryant. Lions, Cardinals, Rams, Niners. Jets, Ravens, Browns, Texans, Jaguars, Raiders. I have 10 teams, 10 of the 31 that are not named the Dallas Cowboys. So about a third of the league makes sense, in my opinion, for Des Bryant. So what are the ingredients to success for Des Bryant? Well, you want a good quarterback. So that leaves you a good quarterback who has proven himself somewhat to be able to get things done, right? So that leaves us with the Lions with Matt Stafford. That leaves us with, in my opinion, the Jaguars with Blake Bortles, with him doing more with less. I like Derek Carr of the Raiders, even though there's been some struggle there. Deshaun Watson, he's exciting as a young cat. So I'll put the Texans down as as a quarterback situation that could be good for him. The Browns, it depends on who they draft. The Ravens, Joe Flacco, I like Joe, but, you know, I mean, some of it's on... It's not all on Joe Flacco because he's had injuries. I mean, this is a guy who's lost his first three strings of running back and wide receiver in a single season. So, I don't put a ton on Joe. But at the same time, here's the thing. Joe Flacco loses all those guys, and the Ravens are t- and the Ravens can't get it done. I'm not going to say they're terrible, but they weren't good. Jaguars lose the top three receivers, and Blake Bortles rolls through the season all the way to the AFC Championship game. And yeah, that defense and the rest of the team gets some credit, but so does he. So yeah, when I look at this and I go, Blake Bortles, Joe Flacco, 100% Blake Bortles over Joe Flacco. The Jets, quarterback situation is not pretty. Teddy Bridgewater's the guy right now. The Niners could be attractive with Jimmy Garoppolo, but they're banking on hoping that he's good. So the Cardinals, no. They have, what, Sam Bradford now. The Rams, they're coming off a pretty good year. So basically, of the 10 that I think Dez would be best suited to go to, five of them, half of them, have quarterback situations that I think are good. Now, of those five, this is how we're doing the ingredients to success. Find the teams that make sense that I think Dez would actually potentially go to, then take from those teams the teams with the quarterbacks that I think he would be best suited to be with. Now let's go to the teams that I believe can go deep into the playoffs to help him out. And that list gets drastically smaller. The Lions have to get by the Vikings with Kirk Cousins now and a good defense. Pretty good. Not as good as Jacksonville. The Lions have to get by the Vikings, and they have to get by the Packers team with a healthy Aaron Rodgers. And if the Bears get better this year, they have to get by that. So I don't see that as the best place to go to. 
as ingredients to success probably presented by Utica Pizza Company rolls on. The Raiders, they have John Gruden, but I think it's going to take some time. The Texans, well, they're in the same division as the Jaguars. And the Jaguars just got just found out what it felt like to be on top for the first time in forever. So the Texans got to battle with that. The Niners could be a dark horse. So now I take 31 teams, decrease it to 10. Of those 10, decrease it to 5. Of those 5, the best playoff options, the Jaguars in the AFC, the Niners in the NFC. And this is where I sit. I know that people are saying that, you know, it's like, okay, well, he wants to go and he wants to play Dallas twice a year and he wants to be personal. you got to figure this out, okay? That's not an ingredient to success. Making it personal is not an ingredient to success. And nine times out of ten, when you try to make it personal, it doesn't work out, okay? And you don't end up playing as well as you can or doing as well as you can. It's not the right way to go. So I'm not for this, okay? I'm not for him making it personal because let's go back to the the NFC East, shall we? The Washington Redskins, they could always use some help at wide receiver. But their quarterback is Alex Smith. Philadelphia, it's already crowded. He's going to get frustrated. The Giants, if the Cowboys don't want to deal with Dez, the Giants have Odell Beckham Jr. And if you think Dez is a problem, based on what we see and what we know from the outside looking in, then I would think that Odell's potentially a bigger problem. Why would the Giants want that? And you don't know who the future quarterback's going to be. So for him to make it personal and go and go to a team in the NFC East doesn't make any sense. Outside of the fact that he wants to play Dallas twice a year, it doesn't make any sense. Do you want to play, are you so consumed by revenge that you don't want to win? Are you so consumed by revenge that you don't want to be in a better situation? Ingredients to success don't include revenge. It doesn't. So, of the 31 teams, the Lions, the Cardinals, the Rams, the Niners, the Jets, the Ravens, the Browns, the Texans, the Jaguars, and the Raiders make the most sense to me. Of those 10, five of them have pretty good quarterback situations. The Lions with Matt Stafford, the Jaguars with Blake Bortles, the Raiders with Derek Carr, the Texans with Deshaun Watson, healthy, the Niners with Jimmy Garoppolo. Of those five, two of them, playoffs. Jaguars, yes. Niners, probably so. So to me, in my opinion, from the outside looking in, without any words from Des Bryant, the Jaguars and the Niners should be the two teams that he comes down to. Ingredients to success. Those ingredients being, forget about revenge and forget about wanting to wanting to you know throw the sand around the sandbox of the NFC East, okay? Do that on some other time, okay? Come be a coach or a trainer or something and do that then or whatever, or get a dart board that has a Dallas Cowboys star on it and throw darts at it. But we're playing football here. This is your career. This is your livelihood. This is how you're going to potentially end your time as a professional football player. Don't make it about revenge. Make it about being in the best situation possible. Ten of those situations look pretty good. Five of them have pretty good quarterbacks. Two of them have pretty good quarterbacks and an opportunity to go into the playoffs. The Niners had a phenomenal end to their season after doing absolutely nothing, and the Jaguars multiplied their wins from a season ago to last season by four. They went from three to 12 in the AFC Championship. They multiplied their wins by four times as many from 2016-17 to 2017 
18. And they've kept most of their pieces together. The only thing they've gotten rid of is their wide receivers that were their number one and number two guys. And Dez is a number one guy. So there you go. And the Niners don't have a number one guy because I'm not going to say Trent Taylor or Pierre Garcon I'm not gonna, or Marquise Goodwin. None of them are number ones to me. Not right now. So two best situations to be a number one, to get out there and be effective immediately if you do what you need to do, to be on a team with a good quarterback that has the chance of making it to the playoffs and doing some damage in the playoffs. The Jaguars and the Niners are the ingredients to success for Des Bryant to end his career on a team that could potentially win him a Super Bowl or at least get him into the postseason. Case closed. Jaguars, Niners. Des, you're on the clock. With that being said, thank you so much for listening in to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora today. I appreciate you being a part of the broadcast, and thank you so much for being with us, not just here on MixLR.com backslash DT, but also on Facebook at WakeUpCallDT, on Twitter at CallDT, and on Instagram at WakeUpCall underscore DT. I want to send a lot of love and appreciation to each and every single one of you, and a big thank you to however you get involved. On wakeupcalldt.com, you can listen, watch, read, and enjoy. You have so much there. Over 500 articles. You have the archive of the show. You have connections to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Podbean, iTunes, the RSS feed, the live MixLR feed is streaming on there as well. So, going to wakeupcalldt.com and bookmarking that page easily connects you to a vast, vast, vast library of things to listen, watch, and read, and of course, always enjoy from Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. So make sure that you do that. Nick Mangold, want to make a note here, he is retiring. One day contract, he will be signing to retire. As Nick Mangold has been a long, 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 long connection of the Jets, he will sign his one day contract with the Jets, and this seven-time Pro Bowl center will bid adieu to his time playing in the NFL. God bless him. God bless him and Godspeed to Nick Mangold. And all the best to him as he moves on from here. And we move on into Wednesday's show, April 18th, 9 a.m. And we're going to go to about 10.30 a.m. Eastern time because we have our annual spring practice call here. Oh, at 10.45, pardon me. So that's when we're going to start. So, or that's when we'll end end the show and start the teleconference. So, when spring practice ends for college football for the American Athletic and the ACC, I always jump on those calls and speak with each of the programs, each of the colleges and coaches to get their thoughts on how spring went and moving forward from here, as well as, you know, some things on the draft and whatnot. So with that being said, I want to thank the ACC and the American Athletic Conference for five years of doing this, and I look forward to the opportunity this week. So tomorrow's show, instead of being 9 to 11, will be 9 to 10.45 a.m. Eastern Time. I thank you for listening in and tuning into that. Got some special surprises of guests that will be on the show, and can't wait to share that with you. In the meantime, go to Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, Twitter at Call DT, and Instagram at Wake Up Call underscore DT and make sure you listen in on wakeupcalldt.podbean.com and you can get over 950 broadcasts there. God bless you. Be good to one another and be good to yourself. And thank you for making Wake Up Call a part of your day. I'll talk to you soon.